Moana Rumi says, uh, he says, when a frog slips into the water, the snake cannot get it. When the frog climbs back out and croaks and the snake moves, moves towards him again, even if the frog learned to hiss and still the snake would hear through the hiss the information he needed, the frog voice underneath. Oh, is that, are you talking about, uh, is this your frog voice in the podcast? Yeah, this would be my frog voice. And, and uh, well, do you find this bewildering, this poetry? Do you understand it, or is it bewildering? Well, yeah, we're talking about bewilderment. Oh, is that a concept in uh, classical Sufism? Yeah. So I'm going to continue to, in my bewildered state, try to read uh, my poetry uh, from December, from early December. Oh, is this early December? December 2018. But I thought you had cleared it up in your uh, other podcast, but now you're bewildered. Do you get bewildered uh, from mysticism? Uh, these are uh, poems read by the author from uh, the Wix blog uh, of David Smith, 208. Uh, and this poem is called Bewilderment. Poem. I cannot accept the concept of bewilderment. If God is going to be inattentive, that is his prerogative. Oh, so that's what happened. Huh? Was the, the snake or what happened? Did you use your frog voice in this podcast? <laughs> Yeah, this is my frog voice. That doesn't mean I will be. Oh, if God is going to be inattentive, that is his prerogative. That doesn't mean I will be. Oh, oh, I see. So you continue to meditate every morning despite the fact that God is inattentive. Yeah. Others have found God to be mean, yeah, look at Tuka. That's called Tukaram. He was very mean to Tukaram in a way. <laughs> Remember, Tukaram lost his family to starvation. Yeah, and other problems. Uh, he had problems. Uh, eventually, it works, and I engage going up. The practice must remain. Laxness cannot exist. Uh, transcendentalism is self-fulfilling. I can always wait. There is little choice. Yeah, there's no choice in the matter anyways. Okay, there is little choice. Super long practice begins in the dark. Yeah, you were saying even from this poem of Romeo, which... Somehow you like just read a poem. It says, Darkness is your candle. You're bound 
Boundaries are your quest. Oh, so you're starting in the dark? Super long practice begins in the dark. It is life that is bewildering. Oh. Oh, so you're not bewildered by Sufi mystical poetry and meditation. It's life that is bewildering. So why should I worry about Sufi bewilderment? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not worried about uh, Sufi bewilderment. Uh, Once I, as the frog, if I jump into the water. (laughs) If I'm in the water, the snake can't get me. (laughs) Oh, that means you're in meditation? Yeah. It is life that is bewildering. So why should I worry about Sufi bewilderment? To think of bewilderment itself is bewildering. Yeah, just to listen to this podcast in a way is bewildering. You're better off meditating than listening to this podcast. Yeah. To think of bewilderment itself is bewildering. So perhaps I should not think of it. You just have to start over with Simran or Dicker. I'm starting to include Islam. <laughs> well, maybe that's what's bewildering to you, is that your adventures into Islam. <laughs> yeah, it's bewildering to a lot of people, I suppose. <laughs> Although I have not even finished reading the Quran. <laughs> yeah, but you are actually on uh, chapter 11 of the study Quran. And how is it that uh, you have this simultaneity, like you're reading chapter, say, like 13 of Genesis, and you read about what? And then you open up uh, the Quran and you read chapter 11, and it's about what? Yeah, how is that? How did that happen? Is that God's will that you have simultaneity? in the Bible and the Quran. Yeah, who arranged that? That's bewildering to me. Yeah, God is bewildering. Oh, maybe he's not bewildering. Maybe it's just life that bewilders you. Yeah, maybe so. I'm more bewildered by life than the Quran even. Uh-huh. I saw Mohammed's sandals in the treasury building in Istanbul. So, you had a start in Islam when you went to Istanbul. Yeah. So he has sandals. Is that how you started? You have to remember that in the beginning, the supernatural did not arrive until two or three hours. After that, you just got spoiled. Oh, I see. Some bliss is not good enough. It's not good enough. Okay. Also, you were experiencing bliss and meditation is not good enough. Oh, I see. So you're not on the path of bliss on something. Well, that's when you're bewildered. (laughs) At some point, you have to grow up. Yeah, it's time to grow up. 
I have to grow up. Um, thank you. This is very nice, but could be bewildering why this food is so good. <laughs> it's bewildering to me. Are you going to read this? Eat this food? Yeah. Let's see if I can get farther in this podcast so I don't bewilder, bewilder the listeners. So, some place is not good enough. At some point, you have to grow up. In medieval Sufism, they have stations and states. When will I learn them? Uh, yeah, you don't hardly know anything. Yeah. Which one are they talking about? I don't know much Arabic. I have suffered alone with very little guidance, except that which is inside us. I am supposed to be at the climax, but instead play the role of the constant beginner. (sighs) Yeah, I noticed that you're just a beginner. You try to be advanced, but you're not. Oh, I see. The transcendental sublime may be where you begin all the time. At least I am not using drugs, drinking wine, and watching TV all the time. Oh, that's good. At least you're on on first base with your practice. (laughs) If you're not using drugs, drinking wine, and watching TV all the time, you must be on first base. Yeah, I'm on first base. You lunch in casa or fuera? Oh. Huh. I like to pack our uh, uh, one uno. Yeah, lunchy to afuera. Yeah, because I, after, after swimming. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so advanced now that I actually eat. After swimming, I never eat before because cause it's really bad for lap swimming to to eat. Eating is, uh, yeah, I'm much, much stronger and faster when I don't eat beforehand. So I'm taking lunchy after swimming. Uh, okay. Because I've reached first base in my in my uh, physical practices of jumping into the water like a frog and avoiding the snake of sloth. Oh, so you're not into sloth. You will actually jump in the water. Yeah. And then I can use my frog voice, which I acquire from swimming. So, oh, I see. On my iPhone, I just look obscure. Look up obscure Sufis and poets. Yeah, it's no wonder you're bewildering the listeners with all this dusty old manuscripts you've dug up. The successful outcome of Simran is transcendental sound. It is a lot better than sticking your head in a meat grinder. Oh, all right. Well, if you're enjoying. Uh, the transcendental sound and you know, music of the spheres and you're enjoying meditation, that's okay. It's a lot better than sticking your head 
and a meat grinder. Yeah. So meditation is pretty nice. It's not... Uh, if you don't meditate, it is sort of like sticking your head in a meat grinder. Yeah. Towards things in the world, I feel less emotional. Oh. Oh, so you're able to cut out a feeling of emotions. I am thinking meager should be my practice. Praxis. Praxis. P-R-A-C-I-S. DS Palm, December 4th, 2018. Hashtag Tukaram. Hashtag bewilderment. Hashtag Sufism. Hashtag Kalabadi. K-A-L-A-B-A-D-H-I. Hashtag Desert Fathers. Hashtag Ian Rennert. Wow. I'm going to have to continue these references when I read this poem again because I have to jump into eating my breakfast. So I don't want this to end up being bewildering. Uh, (laughs) Oh, so you were reading... uh, um, a Sufi book uh, called The Knowledge of God in Classical for Sufism. The Foundations of Islamic Mystical Theology from the Classics of Western Spirituality. Remember, it's uh, it's Western. Islam is Western Spirituality. Yeah. Oh, you're saying that it's just the... Right, your religion is Abrahamism. Oh, so you combine Jewish religion and uh, Christian and Islam together to make Abrahamism. Well, that's not bewildering at all? No. Oh, I see. So on page... It says... uh, Page 33, Knowledge of God and Classical Sufism by John Reynard. Chapter 62 says, discusses the quote, Descriptions of the One Endowed with Marifa, unquote. Marifa being knowledge and emphasizing the quality of the bewilderment and the insufficiency of the intellect but it does not express any preference for one or another description. From Kalabadi, Book of the Exploration of the Teachings of Those Who Subscribe to Sufism. It's got a long name on Tasawuf, and then it says, page 136 to 137. Oh, you have something from the Desert Fathers. Oh, there's another book here. Desert Fathers? Well, that's heavy stuff. By Helen War, Wad, Waddell. What's that say? Oh, that says the Abbot Sylvanius, with Sacri, his disciple, came to a certain monastery, and before they took their leave, the monks made them eat a little, but after they had gone out, his disciple came on water and would fain drunk. Then Sylvanius, Sac- Sac- 
quote, Zachary, today is a fast, unquote, he said, but the father did not eat today. The old man said, quote, that was love spread, my son. But for us, let us keep our own fast, unquote. One of the fathers used to say, one man is found eating much and yet refraining while he is still hungry, lest he be filled, and another eats little and is filled. He who eats much and refrains while he is still hungry hath more merit than he who eats much and refrains while he is still hungry hath more merit than he who eats a little one. Who eats a little is full fed. What's that got to do? Uh, all right. Uh, so, did you figure out did you recall or figure out what the bewilderment is? Oh, it's the, uh, oh, it's the insufficiency. Maybe it's the insufficiency of their referring to of the intellect to understand mystical experience. So okay, so your intellect is insufficient in understanding mystical experience so why are you using your frog voice to try to to try to understand it in poetry yeah so why are you doing this uh well it may be bewildering but still it uh, yeah that's a good question <laughs> Yeah, and Rumi says you should be careful of the snake. Uh, once again, Rumi says, when a frog slips into the water, the snake cannot get it. When the frog climbs back out and croaks, uh, the snake moves towards him again. So right now, when I'm croaking in this podcast, the snake is coming after me. Even if the frog learned to hiss, still the snake would hear through the hiss the information he needed. So you can get the information you need uh, from the... He needed the frog voice underneath, from this froggy voice. Uh. All right, so if you need the information, then you should read the poem again. Uh, poem. I cannot accept the concept of will bewilderment. If God is going to be inattentive, that is his prerogative. That doesn't mean I will be. Others have found God to be mean. Look at Tuka. Eventually it works and I engage going up. The practice must remain. Laxness cannot exist. Oh. Laxness cannot exist. I So I can't can't be lax in the, in the continuation of these podcasts. Transcendentalism is self-fulfilling. I can always wait. There is little choice. Super long practice begins in the dark. Yeah, and these podcasts often begin in the dark. It is life that is bewildering. So why should I worry about Sufi bewilderment? Well, I'm not sure that I am worried, really, so. But you could be bewildered because your intellect is insufficient. Uh, yeah. But that's true of everybody's intellect. 
<laughs> to think of bewilderment itself is bewildering, so perhaps I should not think of it. You just have to start over with Zimron and Dicker. I am starting to include Islam, although I have not even finished reading the Quran. Well, all right, so. So you're a beginner. I saw Muhammad Sandals in the Treasury Building in Istanbul. Yeah, well, so what? You have to remember that in the beginning, the supernatural did not arrive until two or three hours. After that, you just get spoiled. Yeah, I'm spoiled right now, so. Some bliss is not good enough. At some point, you have to grow up. Yeah, I need to grow up in my practice. I'm still like a beginner. In medieval Sufism, they have stations and states. Wow, that's just frightening that there's so many stations. When will I learn them? Which one are they talking about? I don't know much Arabic. You don't know any Arabic, probably. <laughs> I have suffered alone with very little guidance, except that which is inside us. I am supposed to be at the climax, but instead play the role of the constant beginner. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Oh, the transcendental sublime may be where you begin all the time. At least I am not using drugs, drinking wine, and watching TV all the time. On my iPhone, I just look up obscure Sufis and poets. The successful outcome of Simran is transcendental sound. It is a lot better than sticking your head in a meat grinder. That's... <laughs> Towards things in the world, I feel less emotional. I am thinking meager should be my praxis. Oh, oh I think so. That thing about the meagerness comes from the Desert Fathers and the concept of bewilderment comes from the book on classical sophism. Is that what you're into? Classical sophism? Yeah, but I, a lot of times I can find it bewildering. That was fairly bewildering, but uh, I guess you don't have the intellectual capacity to understand a mystical experience. No. Well, that's what they mean, so you can't expect it to, to not be bewildering. <laughs> yeah, well, you could try to make it more clear in your, in your podcast and your readings and your, and your poetry. Try to clear it up by podcasting. Yeah. Maybe if you read the poems by the author... You read your poems and explained them in a podcast. It might be less bewildering. Yeah, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to explain the poems of annihilation on, from the blog post. Oh, okay, so that's less bewildering.
You should be at least as clear as somebody like Alan Watts in your understanding of, of mysticism or Eastern religion. Are you into Eastern? Or but you were reading Western stuff, it seems like. And what's this one here? Gnostic Gospels with the Elaine page also. It says, why religion? Why, why are you... Why do you study religion? Oh. Well, she has a personal story in her book about... Oh, and is that a picture of her? Yeah, on the, on the blog is... Elaine uh, Pagels, P-A-G-E-L-S, a prominent, preeminent, she's preeminent, so she would be like uh, uh, less bewildering to read, a preeminent academic whose impressive scholarship has earned her international respect. Uh, yeah, <laughs> her frog voice is much better than mine, huh? Yeah, she has like a Harrington Spear Payne Foundation Professor of Religion at Princeton University. She's awarded the uh, Rockefeller and the Guggenheim and the MacArthur Fellowship. She has a fellowship. She's the author of the Gnostic Gospels, Beyond Belief and Revelations. Yeah, what, do you like her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then you have Davy Gravy with his gloves on. Of course, these are December poems, December 3rd. Is that your body electric? Yeah, I'm in my body electric uh, with my rain gear because it's raining out, probably. Oh, that's waterproof, I suppose, uh, with my green tea. Oh, so this poem is called The Body Electric. Poem. This is from December 3rd, 2018, from the Wix blog, David Smith 208. Poem. The natural state of the body is electric. Well, that makes sense if you're alive. If you were dead, it wouldn't be electric, I guess. The natural state of the body is electric. If the body is healthy... Everything is flowing. The Chinese talk about meridians and channels. That's the beauty of regular practice. When you wake up, the river will be flowing and flowing up. Oh. So you're just trying to get your river to flow up. Huh. It is like you get on a boat. You can float to your third eye. Instead of struggling and screaming, <laughs> float to it. Well, you used to just most of the time were struggling and screaming. Yeah, most of my life was just struggling and screaming. You can float to your third eye instead of struggling and screaming. It is like Walt Whitman's body electric. You need to have strong intentions and not be slothful. The willpower gets stronger with regular charging. The will can't take you up, but it can help you discriminate. Oh, so your willpower can't take you up, but it can help you discriminate. 
So you are just uh, able to discriminate, uh, assuming you have your will charged up. Uh It is a strong mystery, but sitting still with precision is a rare art. But when it occurs, it is sublime and has been since the beginning of time. Nice. Yeah, if you like a line, you should read it again. It is a strange mystery, but sitting still with precision is a rare art. But when it occurs, it is sublime and has been since the beginning of time. What is strange is the availability and simplicity. Enlightenment tends to dominate when it comes to achievement. Turns out God exists after all, but mainly seen in his representative, like Christ's power, light, and sound. Oh, so God does exist. But he's mainly seen in his representative, like Christ's power, light, and sound. You have a method for building up momentum by Simran to get to those higher states. It is just that you have to show up for roll call. (laughs) So, yeah, why don't you just have roll call and have people show up in your monastery that starts at 3 a.m. in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah, that would be strange. Like, what do you do? What's there to do in the events? What events are on Eventbrite for 3 a.m.? in Manhattan. Oh, they have, uh, oh, they have this meditation, uh, so. Oh, so you have meditation uh, at 3 a.m. and you have, and people can show up for roll call. It is just that you have to show up for roll call. The faith that you need is in yoga that it provides a method of union. You try a process and see what happens. Yeah, he just says, try it and see what happens. You don't just jump to the end, but instead start a routine. This is good, too. It says you don't just jump to the end, but instead start a routine. Getting rid of distractions is part of the greater action. I like both of those lines. You don't just jump to the end, but instead start a routine. Getting rid of distractions is part of the greater action. So you spend so much of your time just getting rid of distractions. And that's your action. (laughs) Yeah, I spend... I've spent most of my life when I was struggling and screaming. Getting rid of distractions, which was my primary action. Transcendental bliss is the secret to dieting. If you start out completely satisfied before you have even eaten, what a shortcut. Ha ha. Uh Hmm. Yeah, well... You meditate, but you still ate breakfast. Yeah, well, it's just become a matter of efficiency. Oh, you're into that stuff, efficiency. It is like eating inside your brain on another plane. Uh Yeah. 
December 3rd, 2018. Hmm. Are you still keeping up uh, the Emily Dickinson stuff? Yeah. There's a poem here. She's partnered up with me in this podcast. So, <laughs> Emily Dickinson has, always adds a poem. Poem 1411. Of paradise, existence, all we know is the uncertain certainty, but its vicinity infer by its bisecting messenger. Hmm. Then it has saying 70. This is from the Gospel of Thomas, quoted on page 23, of, quote, Why Religion, by Elaine Pagels. Jesus said, quote, if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. So, huh. whoa, Jesus said that. Yeah, so if Jesus said it, then you had better listen. Uh, that is, if you want to have the body electric. Brain on the roof runs down and out by the spout as fast as I can. Uh, in a similar way, I'm uh, podcasting as fast as I can, but... <laughs> My poetry. Well, you don't seem that fast. I mean, like, you're not. Are you from the Midwest? Why do you talk slow? Yeah, I speak the standard English, Chicago English, yeah. Well, I'm not sure you're even Chicago. Like, are you from somewhere in between Chicago and New York? Or, yeah. Have you heard of living at the, are you living at the center? Barumi says, but what about leaving the center of the center? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, have you been, how long have you been writing poetry? I mean, is your poems like the ones you wrote in the begin first wrote, or have they changed over time? Hmm. When did you start singing? Uh-huh. Yeah, Rumi, he says, uh, I'm introducing this stuff by by Rumi. The, the rule that I followed when I started, the new rule when I started writing poetry. Hmm. Did you find something shining worth more than any amount of money or power? Yeah, yeah, my money, my poetry, when I became worth, was worth more than money and power. Because I found something shining worth more than any amount of power. Because last night the moon came dropping its clothes in the street. I took it as a sign to start singing and falling up into the bowl of heaven. The bull breaks everywhere, is falling every 
Everywhere is falling, everywhere. And there was nothing else to do but write poetry. Oh, yeah, is that what happened? So what was your first poem like? Is this poetry like your first poem? <laughs> well, so did the rules change at all? Oh, no. All right, so I'm continuing in, uh, well, we're, we really have gone into November of 2018, so we're really in, these are poems from David Smith who ate in November of 2008. And it's, this poem is like my very first poem. Oh, what was your very first poem? Huh. Is that worth more than any amount of money or power? Well, yeah. <laughs> Poem, thinking about what you are doing, going to do. Poem, thinking about what you are going to do is a waste of time. Huh. Oh, I see. So, you should not be thinking about what you're going to do? God. Boy, is that what happened to you when you started to write poetry? Mm -hmm. uh, you said you found something shining uh, worth more than any amount of money or power. So, this is what you found? <laughs> Thinking about what you are going to do is a waste of time. It is better just to start not doing anything but sitting in transcendental contemplation. All that thinking is unnecessary and usually quite redundant. Yeah, I usually just think the same stuff over and over again anyway, so, so it's redundant. Oh, you find your thinking redundant, yeah. Hmm. When you are dying and going to heaven, what does it matter? Well, you're dying? Huh. Hmm. It is only the earth channel. To be creative on your blog, you must first be like a dead log. You can empty out your head and sit cross-legged. Yeah, you really need to, to be able to be creative in this podcast. You have to, in this, before it was in the writing of the poetry in the blog, you had to sort of be first like a dead log. And it's similar really with the podcast, you can empty out your head of all the junk into this podcast, but only after you've sit cross-legged, after you've meditated, yeah. So you're just dumping this stuff out of your head uh, after you meditate. With only a few months of practice, you can start hitting the realize button by only using Simran. They say you can create a new habit in 45 days. 
with 45 years of practice. Wow. 45 years. So now you have both 45 days and 45 years. Are you up to 45 years? Hmm. Hmm. With 45 years of practice. Uh, yeah, you practice, but how well did you practice? Uh, did you play the piece? Uh, how long can you practice the same piece on the piano? Uh, with 45 years of practice. Yeah, what pieces have you played? Uh, practice for 45 years? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I have pieces I played uh, as a teenager, and I've tried to practice them again and see how they are, which is an interesting process, really, to play the pieces you played. Uh, yeah, you should be playing more mature and more refined at this point. Uh, since you went to Juilliard School of Music. Huh? Do you do better voicing, maybe? Yeah, I'm trying to voice these poems in this podcast. Uh, with 45 years of practice, you can have one that spans the eons like Buddha. You can travel back in time to the original Big Bang. Then realize the purpose of life. Wow. You can pass by all your past lives one by one and fast forward. Your internal tuning forks can begin to hum like my very first poem. <laughs> oh, your very first poem. Oh, in your very first poem you had your tuning forks humming or something, huh? Yeah, my, my uh, very first poem is very iconic in a way, it's very, uh... yeah, what is your very first poem? I'd like to hear that one. Well, you'd have to tune up your tuning forks to hear it, so. Yeah, well, you should put it in this podcast now that you mention it. Oh, is that in your book? It's in my book, it's the very first poem. Oh, I see. How old do you have to be to write your autobiography? That's like a question. Interesting Zen question. Is that a Zen koan? Yeah, I'm going to submit that as my Zen koan. So you have to meditate on that question. <laughs> if I'm the Zen master and you're my student, now I ask you. How old do you have to be to write your autobiography? Huh? So, that's part in my meditation class is one of my questions. So, if you wait too long, you may have forgotten everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to forget everything. I have said that age 61.8 is the high point and the golden mean. It is a good time to go into Maha Samadhi. When you are in your twenties, is it a good time? It is a good time to begin your practice while you are still fit and young. 
I would not waste your time in your 30s and 40s as I have done building a family and an empire. Yeah, what happened to your empire? I hear it may have crumbled or something. What happened to your empire? You say you feel your empire. Remember that psychic woman? She says, you feel your empire is crumbling. Uh, yeah, it was crumbling. Eventually the family grows up and your empire collapses, like Sears and Deutsche Bank. Uh -huh. Oh, the Sears, what happened to Sears? A seal, Sears was an old store to that. Well, they went bankrupt or failed, right? And you thought Deutsche Bank was a big bank, and uh, it failed. What happened to Deutsche Bank? Uh, huh. Does this happen to companies, too? Uh, do their empires crumble? Hmm. It is better to reach enlightenment. In your 50s, you can get in tune with your 20s <laughs> and correct all your mistakes and repent all your sins and just begin again. Also, you started to play, uh, get in tune with your 20s. and You were playing uh, pieces of the piano. You played as a youngster. and You reconnected to your, to your 20s, yeah. Yeah, when you turn 50, you reconnect, and some people, they have a, they have what, the, the midlife crisis and reconnect to the 20s. But did you repent all your sins and just begin again? You can try a five-year plan. You can go up into the attic and sit in meditation every morning at an earlier and earlier time that gets longer and longer. Until you hit upon 2 a.m. until 10. Oh, hmm. what happened? So you're telling what happened to you and uh, you had a five-year plan. You literally, yeah, there was an attic. You had, a, you had an upstairs loft, I guess. And you just started to meditate in the loft every morning uh, yeah i went into this into the the little um attic or the loft uh, to meditate and that was where i was meditating supposedly 3 a.m to 9 a.m and sometimes it may have been 2 a.m to 10 a.m uh, well it got long. Well, so you were getting longer and longer. Yeah, that's you can do that. It's sort of like, like a runner, like you know, say you're training for the marathon or something. You might do five miles and then ten and fifteen. It's natural to, to expand what you're doing. Yeah. All right. So you should train for the marathon and do. Do uh, a couple miles and five miles and what? Oh, I see. And reconnect to what? <laughs> All right. A period of six hours a day for six months almost guarantees enlightenment. 
This is the multi-religious truth which I have found. Most people give a million reasons why they can't do it. But the real reason is they are slothful and lazy. Oh. Yeah, I thought that they had reasons why they couldn't do it. Like they had uh, attachments and family ties and their health wasn't any good and they have a job. And uh, Yeah, most people give a million reasons why they can't do it. But the real reason is they are slothful and lazy. Maybe they should go to Tai Chi class and learn how to generate energy. They have extreme sports. My proposal would be to open up extreme enlightenment practice. You can start medication class at 3 a.m. At 7 a.m. you could take a break for scripture study. Then start again at 8 you don't really have any training. They don't really have any training for those who want to be professionals. Yeah, do they have any, like, professional meditation training? Uh, they have a training, you know, like you can train uh, to be under professionals for tennis or something, but do they have any, any certified trainers for meditation? How can you... Now you can only go to the Zen temple. Of course, they're, they are always starting. <laughs> That's funny. They don't really have any training for those who want to be professionals. Now you can only go to the Zen temple. Of course, there, they are always starting. <laughs> yeah, but in the Zen temple, they're... I'm not sure they're professionals because they are always just starting. Oh, I see. It is a common fantasy to think someone will join you. Eventually you will get over it. Yeah, it's a fantasy people have that somebody will meditate with them. Oh, yeah, one person, they said, oh, why don't you text me when you're going into meditation so I can join you. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't do that. It's like distracting and maybe disrupting. And God, I don't, that's not good. I mean, like you could say you have a meetup uh, or a Zoom. You have a Zoom meditation going on at 3 a.m. in the morning. It is a common fantasy to think someone will join you. Eventually you will get over it. You can just join with yourself instead. Yeah, the point is you should join with yourself instead. Who is my muse? Maybe he should step forward. Yeah. My muse should step forward. I'm tired of him working in the background. Like, you know, my muse. I want him to step forward. Like when I'm playing the piano. and They say sometimes, like, when I practice for two hours, like, uh, I've noticed a muse will arrive and take over the playing, so... Yeah, I've had ecstatic, like ecstatic, uh, transcendental piano playing at times after 
long practice. I used to play like practice for like six hours. I had to quit once because uh, my hands were sore. I had to stop playing because uh, uh, I had worn out my hands. But that was because a muse stepped forward. Uh-huh. Who is my muse? Maybe he should step forward. Yeah, where is he? I don't. The way they work in the background are so like. I don't have centuries like Tr- Traherne. I can only deal with decades. Yeah, Traherne is T R A H E R N E. He's a English uh, poet, uh, mystical poet. Uh, D.S. Poem, November 30th, 2018. Hashtag centuries of meditation. Centuries, uh, oh, I think he has a poem, uh, Centuries of Meditation. That's why the line is there. It's a book, actually, or a poem. And I say, I don't have centuries like Traherne. I can only deal with decades, yeah. I don't have like a century to deal with this issue. Hashtag Traherne, hashtag Zen, hashtag hashtag smiling whiteness. Oh, the reason I mention that is my, my poetry book is here, which is published on Amazon. It says smiling whiteness, the poetry of David R. Smith. Our life is very short, but our journey homework is very long. Uh, David Smith. Oh, and then they have, uh, there's a quote from Traherne, I guess. What's it say? The naked truth in many faces. Huh? The author. Hmm. What's on the blog? Uh, and then it has the, oh, it has the, picture of the mystical poetry of Thomas Traherne, T-R-A-H-E-R-N-E, by A.L. Clemens, a yellow book. And then it, oh, and then what's this? The science of sin, why we do the things we know we shouldn't, by Jack Lewis. And then, oh, you top it off with a crown jewel, with a poem by Emily Dickinson. Quote, I have no life but this, to lead it here, nor any death but least dispelled from there, nor tie to earth's to come, nor action new, except through this extent, the realm of you. Emily Dickinson. And this poem was like my very first poem. I mentioned some poetry from Romy without citation, so I'm going to read it and cite it here. It's from uh, Nine Visionary Poets and the Quest for Enlightenment, edited by Daniel Halpern. And this poem was... uh, This poem goes, page 12... The new rule. It's the old rule that drunks have to argue and get into fights. The lover is just as bad. He falls into a hole, but down in that hole he finds something shining. Worth more than any amount of money or power.
Last night the moon came, dropping its clothes in the street. I took it as a sign to start singing, falling up into the bowl of sky. The bowl breaks, everywhere is falling, everywhere, nothing else to do. Here's the new rule. Break the wine glass and fall towards the glass blower's breath. How did you get away? You were the pet falcon, falcon of an old woman. Did you hear the falcon drum? You were a drunken songbird put in with owls. Did you smell the odor of a garden? You got, got tired of, of sour fermenting and left the tavern. You went like an arrow to the target, like from the bow of time and space. The man who stays at the cemetery pointed the way, but you didn't go. You became light and gave up wanting to be famous. You don't worry about what you're going to eat, so why buy an engraved belt? I've learned of living at the center, but what about leaving the center of the center? Flying towards thankfulness, you became the rare bird with one wing made of fear and one of hope. In autumn, a rose crawling along the ground in the cold wind. Rain on the roof runs down and out by the spout as fast as it can. Talking is pain. Lie down and rest. Now that you've found a friend to be with in this podcast. Milana Romain.